0: Not the family techie. I've got techies in the family. I'm not one of them. Good morning, everybody. Am I the only one who reads inspirational verses in the Bible and thinks, why is my life not like that? I mean, you read about God giving us a land flowing with milk and honey. I've got a tiny garden full of nettles and bees and wasps. Actually, I like bees, wasps. Why is that? See, one of the verses that I cling to desperately at times in my life is is found in Isaiah, and it's a verse about rising on wings like eagles, which sounds magnificent, doesn't it? And just soaring above everything, not a care in the world. The only problem is I'm scared of heights. So I've got a feeling if that ever happened, I wouldn't be very comfortable. Just saying. So maybe not. This year, on holiday, we went eagle-watching on the Isle of Mull. Roy and Ruth gave us all the information we needed to be successful eagle-watchers. We bought new binoculars. We were properly ready for it. The only thing we wondered about, we worried whether we'd know, because we're not brilliant bird-watchers, really, we wondered whether we'd know the difference between an eagle and a big buzzard. But the minute we saw an eagle, we knew. We didn't doubt it, were no doubts whatsoever. We piled out of a van, which Neil had hastily thrown into what classed as a lay-by and jumped out. We're leaning against the van with our binoculars so he wouldn't fall over. We knew it was an eagle because it was big. I can't do this justice. Neil does a great impersonation of a white-tailed eagle. Show him how big it is, love. My arms don't stretch this far.
1: White-tailed eagles have a six-foot wingspan big. They're like that big.
0: Flying barn doors, Roy. See, Roy told us where we could see not only eagles, but an eagle's nest. And he was so right. It took us ages to see the nest, but he was right, the nest was there. And Neil, because he's cheeky, walked down to this lay-by where all the proper bird watchers were, and we got binoculars leaning against the van so we didn't fall over. Not quite yet, but we'll get to that one. Um, and, um, And... Neil went to these people who got this big thing on a tripod, with a looked down, they were taking pictures with their iPhones, and Neil saw the eagle chicks. So cheekiness isn't always a bad thing. It does get you to see things. See, this uh, picture is Neil's best spot. This is a white-tailed eagle, obviously a long way up. You see, we could have just looked at lots of pictures of eagles and got to know more about eagles than we would have done leaning against the van. We could have read all about Mont Tinternet. But the experience of actually seeing the eagles was so much better than reading things and looking at close-up pictures and it was so much better because we were seeing them. We were experiencing their flight vicariously somehow. We just felt good when we saw eagles. The best eagle spotting. We were just driving along. We'd failed to find this eagle that we'd seen from the distance. By this time, we were getting a bit reckless with the old parking. And we were just driving back to the main road. And this eagle, which is like hidden from us in a treetop, suddenly swooped down in front of the van. Imagine, it was a golden eagle. Imagine something that big swooping in front of the van. And it was just, it was breathtaking. It was breathtaking because it was happening, it was real. You see, it's good to know the verses which encourage us off by heart. You know, we we learn these verses. but, But we learn a verse. But actually, it's really helpful to read the verses that go before and after those, those memory verses. Is that my fault? The, the tech better? Not but you stand there. Be right. You see, a Bible verse taken in isolation can encourage us, but a Bible verse understood in context can inspire us. That's the difference. So I'm going to read from the message. Can you put the verse up, please, David? (laughs) Neil says I've got to stand still, so if, if I'm less animated than normal, don't be surprised. Isaiah 40, verse 28. I'm reading from the message because I really liked it. it. says, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts, For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. See, these verses from Isaiah don't start with the soaring. They start at the important place. They start with who God is. Who God is. You see, I'm going to say something really shocking here. It's not actually all about our experience or our gratification. It's about who God is. God's the creator of everything. Isaiah reminds us of his constant faithful love. He says that God doesn't come and go. He's constant and faithful. That God doesn't get physically tired like us. Amazingly, this is the most amazing bit. He doesn't even get tired of us, which I think is the really astonishing bit. (laughs) I get tired of me quite quickly. I'm moving again. Sorry, love. God knows everything inside and out, including all our strengths and weaknesses, all our success and failure. He knows when we have no strength left. Isn't that amazing? You see, when Isaiah promises that we can soar like eagles... And run without getting tired and walk without being left behind. There's a but. There are a lot of buts in the Bible. This is a but. Because actually, Isaiah tells us, but those who wait on the Lord. That's the catch. That's the conditional nature of this refreshing. We're told to wait on the Lord. You see, we have to be connected to God. We need to be actively seeking God. When we do those things, when we're in relationship with God, that's when God's resources are unlocked to us. You see, Isaiah tells us about God's strength. And then he tells us how we can be strengthened, and that's in connection with with God. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. He tells us that we can be energised because God's the source of all strength. He's the source of all our energy. See, I love the way the message puts these verses that even young people tire and drop out, and youths, youths, even fo- young folk in their prime stumble and fall. I like that because I'm not in my prime. It's come as a shock to you, I know. Is it this bit that's doing? Is it a bell Right. I'm just going to keep going and shout loudly because it seems like the right thing to do. You see, I'm middle aged and I'm not in my prime. I'm overweight. Okay. Um, so it makes my stumbling seem okay, if even the young uns do. Life's funny. For lots of reasons. I'm going to depart from my. Notes. There have been times in my life. When I haven't exactly run. And where the limping. Slowed down to a crawl. And when I've stopped. And in this room this morning. Somebody who doesn't probably realise. How much they helped me. Um, In this room this morning. Is a lady who used to be my practice nurse. And I went to see her. I'm not going to catch eye contact, cause I think she might kill me later. I went to see her for a standard, you're 40 now, health check. And she was nice to me, and I burst into tears and cried for quite a long time. Because I was under a lot of stress at work. And I wasn't admitting, at that point, how much stress I was under. And this wonderful lady was kind to me. And then when I'd stopped crying, she said, Well, what are you going to change? Because you have to change something. And that was the beginning of my path towards resigning from my career. And had I not resigned from my career, I wouldn't be speaking to you this morning because Neil swears that he would have smothered me with a pillow by now. Because a stressed woman's quite hard to live with. Never underestimate what your kindness achieves in somebody else's life. Because those moments of connection with somebody can change somebody's life so completely and you may never see it and they may never tell you. But God uses people to bring change in situations. I wasn't going to do that, but, but I'm trying not to say no to God because it doesn't work. You see, you can't look at Facebook for more than a few minutes without a post telling you it's okay to not be okay. Yet a lot of us are conditioned to think that we have to act like we're okay all the time. I was in that category. I probably am still in that category. I did say to Ruth this morning, I was going to try not to get struck down for hypocrisy this morning. But I prefer to think it's honesty. You see, we're conditioned to plow on when it's tough. We think that somehow we've got to pretend it's all okay and just get through. I know it's rich coming from me. But I always find that when I'm preaching, God makes me learn something in the prep. You see, I don't actually think that God wants us to plow on and dig deep into our own strength. I've been saying for weeks, it's all right, I'll be fine, I'll just dig deep. Actually, unless you're digging deep into God's grace, you're digging in the wrong hole. That's where the strength comes from not from anything we can find in our own personal reserve, but from God. That's where strength comes from. See, I believe it's okay to not be okay before God because God who created us, who never tires, wants us to wait on him, to rest in him, to allow him to fill us with all you need. Now, obviously, I'm a common sense woman and common sense applies to life. If you stay up all night watching Netflix, you are going to be tired the next day. I'm just saying, love. I'm not picking on you. Neil, if you stay up all night watching Netflix, you are going to be tired the next day. And no amount of waiting on God is going to cure that because you weren't. You were watching Netflix, love. Just saying. The rest that God gives us is a spiritual rest. It's a a rest for our souls. It's an ease of our burdens. It doesn't mean... That you're going to somehow become like God and stay up all night watch Netflix and still function the next day. God made us how he made us and he made us to need rest. So these verses aren't saying, wait upon the Lord, he'll turn you into the energizer bunny, bunny and you'll never sleep again. Because sleep's good. So God expects us to be sensible in the exercise of how we believe this verse. So don't watch Netflix all night, love. It's not good for you. How do we wait on God? Well, it seems sensible that if we're going to wait upon God, we need to be close to him. Does that not make sense? So I have to do things the simple way because I'm a simple soul at heart. To be close to God. How do we get to be close to God? Well, worshipping, reading the Bible and prayer, they're all excellent ways to be close to God. But so is continuing to be together, to meet together, to be part of Hope House, to be set in a family, to be part of the tribe. That's important too in walking with God because God doesn't save us into a relationship with him in an isolation booth. He saves us into a relationship with him bedded into a local family. And that's really important because that's, a lot of our strength comes from each other. Sarah shared earlier. Neil Neil often says to me, when I speak, I think, that's it, I've had enough now. Sit down, worship team, let me have them. And I've never understood it. And this morning I was thinking, if this worship goes on for a lot longer, I'm going to have nothing left to say because the heart of what I've prepared was shared by everybody. (laughs) Yeah. We need to be patient, waiting for God's guidance instead of dashing in like a bullet at a gate, constantly giving our best shot and hoping for the best, speaking to myself again, bull gate, it's me. When we know that we're stumbling and falling, we need to remember to ask our Father God for help, to ask him for strength instead of digging deep into what we haven't got. We need to ask for strength to face all the challenges a day brings. And do you know what? There are going to be tough days when you can't do that. That's just life. There have been times in my life where I couldn't do that for myself. Because it's just too hard to, ma- to manage. And then that's when you've got to remember that God put you in a family. God put you in a family. Ask someone to pray with you. You're not going to be a burden to them. They're not going to think, oh, I don't want to do that. They're going to be really encouraged by the fact that you trust them and love them. And will come to them for help. I guarantee if you ask somebody to stand with you in prayer, They will be very happy and they will be built up too. Back to the strength that God's promising us in Isaiah. The strength God promises us is for a purpose, not just so that we feel good. That's really important. The promise that we'll soar on wings like eagles isn't a promise that we'll live without strife. Eagles aren't just up there enjoying the ride on the thermals, you know. I can't do both arms anymore, so just imagine the other arm stuck out. It'll be all right. We'll get through this. Eagles are patrolling their territory. They're purposeful. They're hunting to survive. They're doing what God designed them to do. They're birds. They're supposed to fly, and they're birds that are like a band or so they ride the thermals. They're doing something. They're not just having a jolly. When we were eagle-watching on Mull, we had an amazing experience. We saw these two golden eagles. Sorry, he's laughing at me now. Um, We saw these two golden eagles soaring really high in the sky. And we were leaning back against the van with our binoculars so we didn't fall over. And we suddenly realized that something was happening. These two magnificent birds with wings that are as wide as Neil's arms... Were being attacked by this tiny, tiny little bird. It was harrying them. It was distracting them because its nest must have been somewhere close, and it was afraid afraid, afraid for its young. So it got feisty and started dive bombing these massive birds. But because it was little and agile, the massive birds couldn't catch it. It 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 was like one of those. This is like what you see on telly, but we're seeing it. It was amazing tiny bird managed to force two magnificent eagles, kings of the air, to move away from where their purpose was. See, even when God's blessings on us, when Paul was saying this morning about about healing flowing like a flood, there are times in our lives when that blessing of God's tangible, where we know that we're in this flow where it's all happening. When we're in worship, when we feel like we're riding a wave of blessing and God's really moving in our lives we still face opposition. The verses in Isaiah don't promise us that we won't face problems or opposition. They just promise that God will give us the strength to overcome in those situations. They're not a get-out of all trouble. They're a promise that when we're experiencing trouble or distraction or attack, God's with us. God's got it. Sometimes it feels like we've been dive-bombed by a, sharp, by a sharp-beaked, tiny menace. I had this experience at a wedding last, um, last year. Neil wasn't there. He was in hospital. And we were in this wedding. It was in beautiful Parklands. And I was with my cousins, and I'm older than them, so I always try and be nice and mature and sensible. And uh, this wasp came, and it was buzzing around me. So Sally's batting it off me. I'm like, no, just leave it. It's fine. It'll just, it'll just go away. And she laughed at me. She said, well, you always did think the birds and bees were on your side. Yeah, 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 So we're laughing. Anyway, this wasp decides to land on my face, so I'm not laughing much anymore. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, it's fine. It'll move away. Don't bat at it. It's fine. So then this wasp decided to crawl into my lips, so I couldn't even go, it's fine. Honestly, it's fine. And then there's some kind of finale. The thing went up my nose. And I didn't move a muscle. I just stood there. And Sally's going, see, it's fine now, isn't it? Look, look, it's fine. It's just gone. <laughs> and I'm thinking, please, please don't sting me. Sting up the nose. That's not going to be good. Life's sometimes distracting. But a wasp sting would have only been a wasp sting. It's nothing to start flailing about it, is it, Really? You see, none of these oppositions we face, not even my silly example of the wasp, mean that God's abandoned us. The facts set out by Isaiah haven't changed. God is still the God who doesn't come and go. He's constant and faithful. He's still the God who doesn't get physically tired. Amazingly, he doesn't even get tired of us, which, as I said before, is the truly wondrous thing. And God still knows everything inside and out, including all our strengths and weaknesses, All our success and failure. He knows when we have no strength left and he will still fill us with his strength when we ask him. See, Isaiah laid a condition on us. He said, but those who wait on the Lord. People don't like waiting. I know this is rocket science. I know this, this is something new and exciting. People don't like waiting. They really don't. I mean, these days... We live in a, a culture that demands instant gratification, and these days, if your broadband signal's too slow, you're tutting and, and like, oh, my broadband's too slow, oh, it's rubbish. I'm going to let you, Juggins, into a secret. When I did homework, I wasn't very conscientious, I was really last minute. And the internet would have made an absolute gift to me. But I had to go and look up things in books. You books, you know, paper connected by a binding. And I couldn't just push a button and find out where the bit of information in the book was I wanted. How I ever got any GCSEs is beyond me. But I was working on a set of children's encyclopedia Britannicas instead of the library because I was too lazy to go to the library. So I was looking in the indexes to find anything that sounded like it might relate to anything that was the subject of my homework. Yeah. We don't like waiting. See, we often talk about how God answers our prayers and we say that Usually there are three options, yes, no, or wait. I prefer a no, at the risk of being controversial. I prefer it when God says no, because then I know it's a no, and I can move on. When he says wait, I don't like that so much. I don't like it because the wait usually, usually requires personal growth. If God says wait, it's because you've got to grow some to be ready for what he wants to do. I don't like the waits, but I've experienced quite a few of them. See, personal growth happens because the kind of waiting that we're told to do in those who wait on the Lord isn't passive. It's not waiting with your hands in your pockets to see what fate does to you. That's not waiting in God. That's waiting pointlessly. Waiting on the Lord is waiting with expectation. It's waiting with hope and faith. It's waiting eagerly to see what God's going to do next. There's a sense of excitement about it. When I was little, Christmas Eve and all the excitement of, would Santa come? When I was little, I like saying that. It's like, I'm still little, you know what I mean? When I was younger, I'm still little, I get that. When I was younger, the excitement of Christmas Eve was nearly better than Christmas morning when I got to unwrap everything because it was all potential. Anything could have been in that, that pillar case full of presents. We didn't have proper made Santa pillar cases then. They, didn't have any, they were just pillar cases, weren't they? So, what was in that pillar case potentially could have been anything. So, the potential of what I might find in the morning excited me more than the actual presents. And the presents were good, but actually, we should be living. In a state of the expectation that what God wants to do for us is better, better, better than anything we can think of or imagine. Because that's our God. That's what i is saying. He's saying, don't you understand? God's better than this. He's bigger. He's constant. He never fails. He's more than all you can hope or imagine. There's some verses in Hebrews 12 that I think deal with this idea of actively waiting and then relying on God's strength. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why do I think that this is like that active waiting? it says, therefore, let's throw off the things that hold us back. There's, there's something deliberate in that. There's that waiting to run the race. That, let's throw it off. Let's, let's fix our eyes and see where we're going. You see, like the verses in Isaiah where we're told to look to God for our strength and all we need, in Hebrews, we're told to look for all Jesus has done for us. That's our inspiration. What Jesus has done for us. We're not supposed to focus on our own weaknesses. When we allow our minds to dwell on all we get wrong, or our tiredness, or our stumbles and falls and trips, we stop moving forward. See, there have been times in my life when I felt paralyzed by my own failings. At those times, I've become utterly stuck, unable to see any value in myself. But that's not how we should be. Because these verses tell us to consider him when we consider him, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we find our value. Our value before God is the price paid for us on the cross by Jesus. So this morning, if you're feeling overwhelmed, remember that Jesus willingly gave his life for you. He's constant, he's faithful, and he's never too far away from you to pick you up when you fall. And again, know that God put you into a family so that there are other people who can pick you up. It's okay not to be okay. And if you feel like that this morning, talk to someone. You see, if we wait actively for God, we'll be watching for what he's doing. We'll be anticipating good things and we'll keep ourselves in a state of readiness so we can respond when God says, now, now, it's now, Joe. You know that thing I said, wait, go, do it, now. If we wait passively, we're in danger of missing the action or maybe even falling asleep. I thought about the guy in the parable of the talents and his master gives him a single talent. He's the last one. And he gives him a talent. He doesn't believe very much in himself. So he thinks, I'm going to get into trouble here. I'm going to get this wrong. So he buries the talent. And then when the master comes, he spends all that time between burying the talent. I, feel, I really feel for this guy. He spends all that time between burying the talent and the master coming back thinking, did I get that wrong? Did I get it all right? It's safe. But I'm not I'm worrying and panicking. It's terrible. Waiting nervously for the master to come back for his property. And when the master does come back, he gives him back an unused talent. God wants us to work with him, not hide from him sounds simple, doesn't it? But there are times when we all hide instead of going, do you know what? I want to wait upon the Lord. When we find that we're sorry on eagle's wings, it's not for our own pleasure. It's for Jesus' glory. That's the other thing. See, I love the idea of running and not being weary because A, clearly, not a runner. Not a runner. And if I do run for anything really vital, I'm tired. But no matter how much I believe, I'm going to say something real controversial, just stay with me. No matter how much I believe that God can make me run and not grow weary, I do not believe that God will make me do a marathon tomorrow. Because if God wanted me to run a marathon, he'd get me to lose some weight and do some training and get there in small steps. Now, spiritually, I believe that God can sustain me through any task he gives me to do. That's different. That's the conditional bit, isn't it? It's not so I can go, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to believe in that verse in Isaiah and run a marathon tomorrow. It'll be grand. It won't. I will either die or collapse after about half a mile. You see, when God wants us to do something, there's always an element of practice and preparation. But whatever task he sets for you, he'll equip you for it. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. But the equipping of the called involves cooperation and work. (laughs) Sad, that, isn't it? (laughs) We actually have to work with God. We wait on him. I also quite like the the sound of walking and not being faint, because as somebody who's attempted quite a few long-distance walks over the years, I realized that as a plodder, If I keep putting one foot in front of the other, I will get there. But when we wait on God, we're not plodders. We're not lacking direction. Everything we do has purpose because God's the ultimate strategist. I'm going to read the Isaiah verses again, just because I love them. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even the young tire and drop out. Young folk in the prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. So this week... Let's challenge ourselves to experiment with waiting upon the Lord. See where he takes us, whether it's flying, running, or walking. But it won't be for our own personal pleasure. It'll be so that we can work with God in his strength. Because that's the only way we ever keep up when we ask God to give us the strength for the day ahead of us. Ian Darlington came to see me before, um, during the worship and he had a picture that he wanted to share and because my sermon was fast being stolen by everybody I asked him if I could share that now because it leads into what I want to do he was saying that yesterday when he'd been ripping out things in the building had this picture of like we all sometimes have all this rubbish that we carry whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional just the stuff that we carry and he had this picture that God wanted us to take that stuff and dump it in the skip the skip's still out there If you've got stuff you want to dump and you want to take a walk past it and imagine dumping your stuff, do that. But actually, this morning, I wanted to talk about how it's okay to not be okay. So this morning, if that's really struck a chord with you, we're going to have a bit of an appeal, but it's not going to work in a come out to the front kind of a way, because that's scary sometimes. So when I get the band back in in a moment or two, which could be a cue for you, Rob, and Julie and, yeah, come. So the way I see, see this going is, if you know that you're not okay, when we start to sing, get up and go to someone who you trust and talk to them and ask them to pray with you. It's not a counseling session to say, I'm not okay, can you pray for me? And somebody will pray very simply with you. At the same time as that, if you know that somebody's not okay, you get up and go to them. And ask if, ask if you can pray with them. Ask, don't assume, ask if you can pray with them. That way, when people get up and start moving around, nobody's going to go, ooh, ooh, there's something really wrong with um, Jo. She's got up and gone, what's wrong with Jo? We're all in it together, we're family. So I'm going to pray and hand back. And like I say, if you know you're not okay, and you just want somebody to simply pray with you, go to someone you trust. If you're here on your own, Come to somebody that you've seen up and talking. Come to me if you like. And we'll pray with you gladly and happily. But don't feel conspicuous because this is a family thing. We're going to help each other wherever we're at. Okay? So, Father, I just want to thank you that you are all we need. That when we're tired, you're our strength. That when we feel earthbound, you're our wings. That we can run in you. That we can walk in you. That we can work with you. Lord, give us all the courage this week to say, Lord, let me wait on you. And to act when you tell us to act. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: How great the chasm Tall through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine So great a mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace, the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. forever Jesus Christ silence, the roaring lion, declared the grave has no claim.
0: sent jesus to die for us and because of him we have a living hope you set us free our chains are broken lord we 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 thank you this morning for speaking to us lord we thank you that we've been able to
1: lift our hearts up and praise your name amen amen